And this morning, I don't know if you noticed from the video that we showed, but we're, we're talking about dads. And, and I just want to make a few brief moments, uh, brief comments about dads. First of all, you know, I want to talk to dads today. And if you're sitting here and you're like, well, I'm not a dad, uh, you can still listen. Trust me, you can still listen, because what I'm going to say today, you can put into practice as you, you, know, as you work with, with uh, Awana kids or, or Ignite kids or as you volunteer to coach a sport or anything like that. So, so you can put these things into practice as you try to mentor people in your life. So, so don't tune me out just because I'm talking to dads. The other thing I want to talk about is, uh, is, is as I talk to dads, I want to be first and foremost to say is I'm not the world's greatest dad. I don't have the t-shirt at home. My kids haven't given me that, and, and there's a reason why, because I'm not. Uh, my kids are still little. We're still in the process of, of, of raising them and the verdicts out. So what I say today, I don't come from, uh, from the background as, well, this, is, this has worked for me, and, I, and I'm such a great parent that you should do this too. I'm still with you, like a lot of you, in process. And I'm learning a lot every day. And as a matter of fact, a few, a few weeks ago, I was at a conference and the speaker was talking about being a dad and all the things that he did as a dad. And I, if I'm really honest, I crawled out of that session because I felt like a horrible dad. But, but this morning, I just want to talk to dads because I believe dads are important. And as you saw in that video, there were some serious and some funny things. But dads, we pass on a lot of things to our kids. And so the question I want to ask you today as a dad or as someone who's involved in someone's life and mentoring them and, and, and encouraging them is, what are you passing on? What are you passing on to your kids? It's a day that we set aside to, to honor dads, and I think it's a great day for us as dads to really ask the question, what am I passing on? And this morning I'm going to look at three passages of Scripture, I mean three verses from, from a passage of Scripture, and it's in 1 Kings in the Old Testament, and it's from chapter 2, and this is David talking to Solomon, his son. And these three verses in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 of 1 Kings say this, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Now, before we look into the specifics of this passage, there's some important things to keep in mind, some background information. The first thing is this. David is the king of Israel. He is the most powerful man on earth at this moment. He is the king. He has all the power. And, and Israel at this time is the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Israel was in a position that few other countries have ever been in. Their enemies have mostly been defeated, and they are enjoying a time of prosperity. A time that, that, that most countries would love to see. So David is the king of Israel, and Israel is doing really, really well. Their enemies have been defeated. And David makes this statement to his son. He says this, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. David may have been a great king. He may have been king of the most powerful nation on the planet. But even his greatness couldn't defer the fact that he was human. And his time on earth was coming to a close. And he knew that. 
So he, so he gathered his son Solomon to him to, to have a conversation. And these are David's dying words to his son, his successor on the throne. It says that this is David's last charge. And, and this is something that, you know, when we read that, we think, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, I, I don't know if, if, if you've lost your dad and you've had to say goodbye to him, if he, if he had this opportunity to have this last charge. But in David's day... Uh, and in the time of, of, of biblical times, the last charge was very, 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 very significant, very familiar. It happened a lot. In, in Genesis 49, we see Jacob gathers his 12 sons together. He is dying, and he gathers them together to bless them and give them some instruction. In, in Deuteronomy 31, we see Moses gathers, gathers Joshua and says, Come here, Joshua, I need to tell you something. You're going to be the next leader of Israel. So you're going to go and lead the nation. I want, I want to give you a last charge. And we see that this is, this is the last charge that, that David gives to Solomon. And in this last conversation, I think there's some, there's some important and significant bits of information that David shares with Solomon. Now, don't misunderstand me as we talk about David and as we talk about his life. He made some critical errors in his life. And those errors had some significant impact on his kids' lives. But here he's on his deathbed, and he's learned from some of those errors, and he wants to pass on some good information to his son. So what do you think the most powerful man on the planet, uh, king of the most powerful nation on the earth, says to his son, the next king? He says three things. The first thing he says is this, be strong. In 1 Kings 2.2, it says, David says again, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, so be strong. Be strong, he says. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about strength, I think about physical strength. And I think about what our culture, you know, and, and how our culture portrays physical strength. And, and in the last a movie came out called The Avengers, and it was full of these heroes. And here's a picture of some of those heroes from, from The Avengers. Uh, here we see Captain America and Thor from the movie The Avengers. And I don't know about you, but if you've seen this movie, if you know them, their arms are about as big as my thighs. I mean, they, these guys are ripped. They are strong. They are strong, strong individuals. And, 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 and so that, that's from the movies. But you know what? We're also in, in the NBA playoffs, and I have a little Heat fan at my house. And we watch, we watch the playoffs, and he's a huge LeBron James fan. And I know we have some who are diehard Cleveland fans who can't stand LeBron. I won't look at you, Carl. But, uh, um, um, but, but Zachary's a huge LeBron James fan. And as I watch LeBron James, he is 6'7", which is about three inches taller than me, and he's about 280, which is 40, 50 pounds heavier than I am. And it is all muscle. He is an amazing athlete that can do amazing things. He is so, so strong. So when we think about strength, that's kind of what we think about. We think about physical strength. And so David is telling his son, be strong. And isn't that something we tell our sons? Doesn't that sound like something we tell our sons? Be strong. Stay tough. Hang in there. Don't give up. Overcome adversity. Zachary has a tendency to be a little whiny at our house. And so whenever he starts to whine a little bit, I, you know, I, I tell him, hey, Zachary, suck it up. Suck it up. Come on. You know, get tough. 
you know, be strong. That's something that we, as dads, we want to tell all of our sons, hey, be strong. Adrian Rogers, a former Southern Baptist uh, preacher and leader, told the story about a man, a man who took his pocket knife, and he was bragging to his friends that, hey, I took this pocket knife, and I cut off the tail of a man-eating lion. His friends were impressed and yet still perplexed a little bit, and they asked the question. The next question was, well, why did you cut off the tail? Why didn't you cut off the head? And his response was, well, someone already cut the head off. It's not a picture of strength, is it? That's, that's not a real picture of, of hey, this is something that's real brave, and uh, the, the, the lion was already dead. You know what? It's easy to be cocky and pretend that we're strong and brave, especially when things are going well and, and, and there's no challenges in life. But David is pausing, and he's looking at Solomon, and he says, be strong, because Solomon's life is about to get more complicated. His life is about to get more, more difficult. He's going to face a lot more difficulties. You know, even though Israel had defeated its enemies, it still had lots of enemies. There were still a lot of people that hated Israel and hated their God, and they were looking for a chance to go to war against them. Even though Israel enjoyed a lot of success, they still lived in a very dangerous world. And David says, be strong. And when he tells them to be strong, this means to be, to be steady and stable mentally, physically, and spiritually. A strong man is a man of character and integrity. He's a man of character. He has integrity. It's a man who has courage when faced with difficulty. He's brave and courageous in the face of difficult circumstances. Someone has to set the example of strength for Israel. And David looks at Solomon and says, it needs to be him. He needs to be the pillar of strength. And David knows for him to be the pillar of strength that that strength can only come from God, not from the military and the monetary resources that Solomon will have at his disposal. It has to come from God. David says to Solomon, be strong. You know, we live in a world full of scary things, don't we? It's a dangerous world. Stories told about a mom who was putting their, her little son to bed at night, and, and there was a violent thunderstorm going on. And the mom was tucking her son in, and, and the son looks up with a tremor in his voice, and it says, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? Maybe you've been there and done that before and, and heard that uh, request. The mother smiled and tucked him in tightly, gave him another hug, and said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep with Daddy. The son, thinking about this in silence, hits the room, and suddenly a little shaken voice breaks the silence, and the son says, that big sissy. <laughs> there are things in life that we fear, right? There are things in life that we all fear. We live in a dangerous world. And you know what? As believers, we face opposition in this life. We know that we have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, it says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, roars around like a, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm. Be strong in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. To resist Satan, to stand firm, to be strong in our faith, we need a strength that can only come from God. It can only come from God. He is the source of our strength, and Paul talks about that in Ephesians 6. 
And starting with verse 10, he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I like the way that Paul starts out this this passage about uh, uh, the armor of God because it tells us that we're not strong and God is. He is the source of our strength. We need to go to him for strength. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, our enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to model and pass on strength to our children, a spiritual strength that can only come from God, that will enable them to stand firm in the faith. I remember as, as a teenager in the summertime, I, I had a job that I had to be at at 7.30, so you know what that meant. I woke up at 7.15 and, and ran out the house and jumped in the car to drive 10 minutes and I remember every morning walking down the steps and I'd walk through the living room and there would be my dad, either on his knees praying or he had his Bible open reading. That left a huge impression on my life. Not enough for me to get up 15 minutes early and do that myself, but, uh, but as I think about that, I, I'm blown away by that. This Thursday I went home to work with my dad and, and help him out and, and I pulled up to my house and, and I walked on our porch before 8 o'clock in the morning and there was my dad sitting with his Bible open reading. See, my dad got it. He knows where his strength comes from. It comes from God. And each day he would, he would go and meet with him to get that strength for the day. What a great example. He, he lived out for me. And so dads, I have a question for us that I want us to think about. When our children look at us, do they see spiritual strength in action, enabling us to stand firm in the faith? Dads, do they see spiritual strength in our, life, in our lives? It's not about physical strength. It's not, you know, you know, when you want to get strong physically, you go lift things, right? You go, you go lift things. Well, if we want to get strong spiritually, you know what? We, we lift our hands in prayer. We open our Bibles and read it. And we use our feet to obey what God says, to live it out and serve him. Be strong, and, and, and that's, what, that's what David's telling Solomon. Be strong, and that strength comes from God. We need to have spiritual strength. Spiritual sp- strength to enable us to stand firm in the faith. That's the first thing that David tells his son Solomon. The second thing is this. He says, grow up. He tells him to grow up. 1 Kings 2.2, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, David said. So be strong and show yourself a man. Solomon, be a man. Grow up. The exact age here of, of Solomon is not known, but it's believed to be that he is young. And I was thinking about Solomon's life compared to David's life. If you think about David's life from a young age, David was taught toughness and responsibility out in the fields as the, as the shepherd boy for Jesse, his dad. As a shepherd for Jesse, he was taught responsibility. He was taught toughness. He was taught to how to protect the sheep from, uh, from dangerous situations. Solomon, on the other hand, had grown up in the lap of luxury. He he had grown up in the ladies' palace with his mom and all the servants tending to his every need. Solomon and David had quite a different uh, upbringing. And so David here is telling Solomon, he said, Solomon, playtime is over. It's time to step up. It's time to grow up. In essence, 
dad is telling son to say goodbye to childhood and be a man. Grow up. I was thinking a little bit about this, this concept of growing up and thinking about children and, and thinking about as children grow up. And, and, and did you ever notice how children think, speak, and act? I mean, if you're around kids a lot, do you, do you notice how they think, speak, and act? Children think small. The world revolves around them. It's a small world, and they're the most important person on the planet. And, and, and because of that, they act and speak in selfish terms. Give me. I want. I need. And maybe this has played, out, it played itself out in your family's life as you're at Target, and you're, you're there with your kids, and you're going past the toy aisle, and you know what's coming next. Oh, Mom and Dad, can we go look at the toys? And so you make a little detour, because as Mom and Dads, you never want to go in the toy aisles. You want to avoid them. But you make a little detour because they're begging you to go in there, and you go in there, and suddenly one of your kids sees something that they need. Oh, Mommy, Daddy, I need it. I want it. Can you get this for me? And being the good mom and dad, you say, no. And then what transpires is a royal fit happens. They have a meltdown in there. They are, they are thrown a fit because they think that they can outlast you. And so they throw this fit, and, they're, and, they're, and you know, everyone in the store is now watching you and how you respond. And their voice is getting louder and louder because they want this toy, because their world revolves around them. Not speaking from experience, and I'm sure you don't have that experience either, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in the store and been those other people that watch, right? Um, uh, you know, children think small. Their world revolves around them. Did you ever see the sign that said, the bigger the boys, the bigger the toys? You know what? There's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? There's a lot, a lot of truth to that, because there are a lot of adult males that are just big boys, they're big boys, they haven't grown up, and they're just playing with bigger toys. David tells Solomon, grow up. You know, as we get older, hopefully we grow up. Hopefully we realize that the world is big and full of other people that have a lot of needs and a lot of people that are worse off than we are. And as we grow up and mature, hopefully we start to think and act selflessly, giving and serving and sacrificing for the good of others, for the good of our family for the good of our church. I see this dichotomy between a child and, and someone growing up in my own house. Zachary's five and Haley's nine. Zachary's the kid at Target that just wants everything. Now, he doesn't normally throw a fit, which I'm thankful for, but, but, but he, he wants everything. When he gets birthday money, he has it spent in, in, you know, before it's even in his pockets. You know, and, and he's the kid that's always begging me, hey, Dad, can we go to GameStop and get NBA 2K13? It's not even out, but he wants to go get it. Uh, he is that kid. His world revolves around him. It's all about what he can get for him. Now, Haley is going to be 10 this, this summer. She's growing up. And it's been neat to watch her heart and, and see her selfless heart because she's, the, she's our, our child that when she gets money and she sees a need... She'll give to it. She'll give to World Vision to help in disaster relief. She gave to uh, rice bowls to, 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 uh, to provide food for orphans. She, she gave money to dig a well. Uh, was that last Christmas or, or two Christmases ago? She's starting to grow up and realize that there's a lot of people on this planet that have it a lot worse than I do. What can I do to help? 
She's growing up. And it's not because I'm a great parent. I think she has a great mom that kind of models that for her. But, but, uh, but she is growing up, and that's what David is trying to tell Solomon. Grow up. At this moment, Solomon's life is changing. Before, he only had to worry about himself, and now as king, he has to worry about the whole kingdom. He has to worry about everyone's welfare. David wanted to make sure Solomon grew up, that he selflessly served his God and country. David's telling Solomon, it's time to put the childish, way, childish things away. It's time to grow up and be a man. As I was thinking about this and thinking about, you know, how do we grow up and, and thinking about spiritually we need to grow up, I was thinking about Paul's words to the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4. He says this, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightfully so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Their faith is growing. Their world is growing. They're concerned about not just themselves, but other people. He goes on, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance in the faith in all persecutions and trials that you're enduring. Not only are they growing up, but they're strong. They're strong in the midst of persecution. And Paul is saying, you know what? We tell everybody because you are growing up in the faith. And in essence, I think that's what Solomon's, I mean, David's trying to tell Solomon. It's time for you to grow up. So dads, I have a question for us. When our children look at us, do they, selfishly, do they see us selfishly serving ourselves or do they see selfless men serving God and others? What do our kids see when they look at us? What are we passing on? David says, be strong, grow up. The final thing David says is be faithful. He says, be faithful. Faithfulness isn't a virtue that our society celebrates. It's, it's, not, it's not something that's seen very as, as something that's very important. You know, in our society, it's more important to feel good, to experience pleasure than it is to be faithful. It's easy to give up when things get tough than to stay faithful to the task at hand even when things are difficult. But faithfulness is of the utmost importance to God. And here, David is telling his son Solomon, be faithful. In verse 3 in 2 Kings 2, it says this, And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. As I read this last verse, there's a few phrases that kind of stuck out that I just wanted to highlight with, uh, with you this morning. The first one was this, Lord, your God. You know what? David's God was also Solomon's God. Solomon had a personal relationship with God, just like, just like David did. And so we see that, that, that Solomon, David is talking to Solomon, and, and they are, not only are they father-son, but they are, they're brothers in the faith. They both have a relationship with God, and so spiritual things are important to them. So that's the first one. The second one is walk in his ways, keep his decrees. So not only do they have a relationship with God, but, but David's telling Solomon, be faithful in following and obeying God. Be faithful to, to walk with God, to obey him. The next phrase that's important, I think, is as written in the law of Moses. This is the first five books of the Old Testament, and many believe this is about the extent of the Bible that they would have had at this point. And so, and so you know, 
David is saying, hey, be faithful to, to God's word. And it's interesting because, you know, in Deuteronomy 17, we see that, that leaders are encouraged, were encouraged to read God's law. They were encouraged to read God's law so they would revere the Lord and follow carefully the words of the law. So David is telling Solomon, hey, you know what? You need to know God's word. You need to follow his word. The last phrase is this, so that you may prosper in all that you do. When I think about this, I think what David's trying to say, be faithful to know and obey God and you will prosper. That doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. That doesn't mean that life won't have its fair share of difficulties. But what this means is if we, if we faithfully obey and follow God, God will use us to do great things for himself. God will be pleased with us. We will be a success in God's eyes because we are striving for one thing and one thing only, to live for him, to be obedient to him, to be faithful to him. Prosperity comes to those who are faithful. Husbands who are faithful to their wives. Dads who are faithful to their kids. And men who are faithful to their God. And God says that those who are not faithful will not prosper. And Israel and David certainly learned from that. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about you know, just, just uh, what happened in First and Second Samuel. And I'm just going to give you a brief uh, run through of what, what's happening. Because the Israelites were not faithful to God, their one true king, what do they do? They went to Samuel and they said, we want a king like every other country. Give us a king like every other country. And so God tells Samuel, do it. Do it. Give them a king. And then Samuel gives them this warning in 1 Samuel 12, verses 12 to 15, and verses 24 and 25. Samuel says this, But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, Now we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your forefathers. And in verse 24, Samuel says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. And then they pick Saul to be their king. And we know that Saul wasn't faithful to God, was he? In the very next chapter, in, in 1 Samuel 13, we see that he's rallied the troops for battle. And he was waiting for Samuel to come and offer the burnt offerings before they go into battle. And Samuel didn't show up, and Saul was impatient. So he took it upon himself, and he, af he offered the sacrifice when he had no authority to do it. And Samuel comes and says, Saul, what have you done? You haven't been faithful. And because you've been faithful, you're not going to be king. You're, it's not going to stay in your family. And we see that uh, because of Saul's unfaithfulness, uh, God leads Samuel to anoint David, the next king in 1 Samuel 16. And in 1 Samuel 17, we see David goes to the battlefield to help it, to, to bring food to his brothers. And we see that he sees Goliath, and he goes out to battle Goliath, and he defeats Goliath because he is strong with God's strength. And Saul sees that and says, you know what, I want this guy with me. And so he takes David to be with him, and he sends him on many, many different missions. And David is successful. God is, God is blessing him. 
And because of that success, we see in 1 Samuel 18 and 19 that Saul becomes very jealous of David. He is so jealous of David that he wants to kill him. He's so jealous of David that, just like we talked about the mounts in your house, he wanted David to be a mount in his house. He was hunting him down like a wild animal. He wanted to kill David. In 1 Samuel 24, we see that, 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 that David is hiding from Saul, and Saul is chasing after him, and David has the opportunity to kill Saul. But he doesn't. He spares his life in that cave because he knows that his time to be king is not right. It's, it's not ready. It's, it's not time. And, 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 and it's up to God, not him, to make that happen. Saul continues in, on his, in his unfaithfulness. And we see in 1 Samuel 31, he goes out to battle the Philistines. And things aren't going well. They're losing. They're going to lose. And he's going to be captured. So what does he do? He falls on his sword. And he commits suicide. He kills himself. He wasn't faithful to God. But David was faithful to God. Ever since, you know, the, the, you know, you know since he was anointed and, and God enabled him to defeat Goliath and all those other victories, he was faithful to God. And God was blessing him. And God put him as the next king of Israel. And then we see David hit a rough, a rough patch. One night when David was walking around the roof of the palace, he learned firsthand the pitfalls of not walking with God, didn't he? Of not being faithful to God. He sees Bathsheba bathing, and he wants her to be his wife. He, he, he wants her. It doesn't matter who she is or, or, or who she's married to. And, and so he, he sins with Bathsheba. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, but don't get me wrong, he, he made a grave mistake here. He, he wasn't a man that was perfect. He made a mistake. And, and he sinned against, uh, against Bathsheba and, and, and uh, against Bathsheba and against Uriah, her husband, and, and he thought he got away with it. And the prophet Nathan comes to him. You remember the story. The prophet Nathan comes to him, and he wants to confront the king, and he's afraid. So he tells the king a story. Hey, king, there's this guy. There's this guy who, who's very rich and has lots of sheep. And there's this guy who's very poor and has one sheep. And someone came to visit the, the, the rich man, and, and they wanted to have a big meal for him. And so the rich man went and took the poor man's sheep, and he killed it, and he offered it to him as, as the supper. And David's pretty enraged, and like, why did this happen? That's terrible. That guy should die. And then in 2 Samuel 12, the very familiar passage, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And that's not a great you are the man. I mean, that, that, that's not one of those things that your, your, your buddies are patting you on the back like, you're the man. That's a bad you are the man. You're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arm. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. From the beginning, the power went to Saul's head and he was unfaithful to God. David was faithful to God and then he hits this bump in the road and he makes a grave mistake. But you know what the difference between David and and, and Saul was, David realized he made a mistake. David realized he made a grave mistake, that he was not faithful to God. He owned up to his sin, and he asked God 
to forgive him. So, in, so as David is on his deathbed, he is sharing with his son Solomon what he's learned from his mistakes, what he's learned from Saul's mistakes. And he tells Solomon to be faithful in obeying God. He's saying, son, I made some mistakes in my life, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes, so be faithful. Learn from my past. Don't repeat it. Be faithful. So dads, as, as, as we think about this, this, last, this last command of, of, of David, the question for us is, Dad, when our children look at us, do they see us faithfully obeying God and his word? And the best way for our children to see the benefits of being faithful is for us to be faithful ourselves. Godly advice is great. It's great. But a godly example speaks volumes to our children. We need to pass it on and be be an example of someone who is faithfully following God. Our children need to see that. Now, David gives this great speech to Solomon. I guess the question is, well, did Solomon follow his dad's advice? Like so many sons and daughters before and so many after, he didn't always follow David's advice to faithfully follow God. He was given godly advice, but he chose to follow his own heart at times. And the same is true with our kids, isn't it? There are no guarantees with our children. There are no guarantees that they will, that they will choose to follow God. They have their own free will just like you and I do, and they can make that choice. But you know what? They need to see us choosing to be strong, to grow up, and to faithfully follow God. They need to see it in our lives. I came across this, uh, uh, this statistic from the Christian Businessmen's Committee. They, they, did, they did some research. And listen to this, dads. When a father is an active believer, an active follower of Jesus Christ, there is about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. If only the mother is an active believer, the likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because as men, we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our house. And in some ways, what we do, if we're faithful to follow God, that has a, has a big impact in our kids' lives. And I read that statistic, I was blown away. Dads are important. Every one of you who are a dad here this morning, you are important. But listen, any Any man can father kids. It takes a special guy to be a godly father. Anybody can father kids. It takes a special man to be a godly father. And I think that's that's what is so needed. And when I look at that statistic from the Christian Businessmen's Committee, that's what it's screaming. We need guys. We need dads who are the spiritual leaders, who are faithfully following God and passing it on to their kids. We need a father that's there for their kids through good and bad. We need a father who's there to give godly advice, to model godly behavior, and to pass on what is important, to know and obey Jesus Christ. That's the kind of dads that we need. In some ways, that that research from the Christian Businessmen's Committee tells us uh, that dads were important. In some ways, we are, uh, we're like a compass, I don't know about you, but if you were, when I was at Cub Scouts, um, 
we had to do this thing with compasses and, and, and follow a map. And I have my compass here. It's on my phone. So, you know, I'm not the outdoorsman, so I don't have a compass laying around. But, but the thing about compass, it gives direction, right? And as I was thinking about this, when I, when my limited uh, uh, use of compasses, what you need is you need a compass out front. You need a compass in front of you to kind of get the, the direction of, of where north is. And north is right about there. But you need the compass in front of you because it shows you the way. Well, dads, guess what? Sometimes I think that, that, that we need to be our children's compasses. They're spiritual compasses. And we need to point to true north, which is to know and obey Jesus Christ. We, we need to be like the compass of our, of our children's life, and we need to be out front. And that means that we need to be following true north first. They need to see us following true north. And, and, and so, that, so that they can follow us and so that we can give them direction as we say, hey, this is what we've experienced as we've tried to maneuver through this life and follow our true north, Jesus Christ. We need dads who are like compasses to their kids to point them in the right direction. Uh, so the question we have this morning for you dads is, what are you passing on to your children? What are you passing on to your children? Let's follow David's advice to Solomon Let's follow this advice to, to, to be strong, to grow up, to be faithful. Let's follow his advice to Solomon and show and tell our kids how to be strong, how to grow up, and how to faithfully follow God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have just to, to spend an honor, uh, spend some time honoring our dads. And, and Lord, I, I can remember that day almost 10 years ago when I was blessed to be a dad. And I remember there in the hospital holding this little girl thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this kid? And Lord, in some ways, we're amazed that you would entrust to us the, the, the awesome uh, responsibility and the awesome privilege to, to raise kids in this world. And Lord, I pray that uh, today as dads, we might have been encouraged by David talking to his son Solomon, to, to take our role as dad seriously, to realize that we have a huge part in shaping our kids' lives. And, and Lord, we know that our kids need to make the choice on their own to trust you as their Savior, that, that it's up to them, that we can't make that choice for them. But Lord, we, you know that we can, we can model what it looks like to be strong and, and, and only a strength that comes from you, to uh, to grow in, in our faith with you and to be faithful to you in the good times and the bad times. And Lord, I pray today that, that, that you would help us as dads to renew our devotion to be the men, the spiritual leaders in our family's life that you want us to be. And Lord, we know that we can't do this in and of our own strength. So this morning we are asking and begging and pleading with you to enable us it's enables us to be those compasses pointing our kids true north to you, Jesus Christ. And help us to impact them in a godly way in Jesus' name. Amen.